all the mics are on. Test. Checking the mics right now.
Good morning, everyone. Aren't you glad that we worship a God of wonders? And we are thankful for that. I hope that everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, did everybody have a great Christmas time? Good. I'm glad that you did. I, I hear our children have, have had a great Christmas, and Santa Claus came and brought all sorts of good gifts, and, uh, and uh, a wonderful time was had by all, but uh, I am so glad for that. We welcome you here. We welcome our guests. We have some guests that are here, and we welcome you. You're very special to us, and uh, we're glad that you're here with us, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. That's on each row. Uh, I'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out and uh, put your name and address and email address on there, especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes each week. Uh, please put your email address on there so you can keep up with what's going on here at Community Baptist. Uh, also, uh, th our schedule for this week will be a little bit different than it normally is since um, uh, it's kind of the week between Christmas and New Year's, and nobody does anything in that week anyway, so <laughs> we're not going to be having dinner this Wednesday. We will not be having dinner uh, here this Wednesday like we normally do. However, we will be having a business meeting on uh, Wednesday at 6.30, and the main purpose of this business meeting will be to discuss the budget for our two 2010 year and uh, so we'll be discussing that on Wednesday and be presenting the budget for a vote on next Sunday morning. Uh, so that will be what's taking place on Wednesday. Also uh, there, the table right over here as you go out the door uh, there are some um, well there's Sunday school material there. Some of you still have not picked up your church directory and they will be over there and there is a calendar uh, much like what is in your worship folder but on the opposite side of the calendar it has a list of the volunteers that will be serving during the month of January so if you don't know if you're serving during the month of January pick up one of those calendars before you leave and you'll uh, see where you'll be of service that on that day uh, we're glad that you are here today and uh, it is wonderful to be in God's house to love each other to love our Lord Jesus Christ and to share in that love with one another. So let me invite you to stand and turn and greet your neighbor and uh, share the love of Christ this morning.
You, you can feel the love in this place. I tell you what, you turn people loose to greet each other and to share the love of Christ, and it's hard to, hard to get back people back together. <laughs> we are... Um, you know, we are privileged here at Community Baptist Church to have a lot of talent and a lot of uh, people who are willing to share that talent with us. And we're also privileged to have friends of our church who are willing to come in and share their talent with us from time to time as well. Uh, David Lutz is one of those friends. Uh, he has been here before uh, on several occasions and uh, shared his musical abilities with us. And so we are so grateful that David is with us today. He's going to uh, sing a song now and a little later in the service as well, I believe. We're glad you're here, David. Well, good morning. How are you all this morning? Good. You sound kind of awake anyway. So, Well, thank you guys for having me again this morning. It's, uh, I don't get to do this as much as I'd like to, but uh, it is a pleasure to be here and, and an honor. So um, just wanted to start by saying... Um, Thanks to, thanks to the pastor here, of course, you know, and then, of course, the praise band. You guys put your hands together for these guys. It's, it's a lot of work to get up here and uh, play a couple songs. For most people, I just kind of wing it. That's what I do best, and uh, it's, uh, you'll see that in a minute. But <laughs> anyway, I'm not really unnerved by much. But uh, needless to say, uh, we are here this morning to worship the Lord, and um, I just, uh, just thank, thank you for that opportunity. And uh, if you guys know these songs, like I said, we're here to worship together, sing along. You don't have to stand up if you don't want to, but if you want to stand up and sing and praise with me, then go right ahead. I think I've been informed that you do know the second song I'm doing, so uh, I would expect you all to sing along on that one for sure. So, Anyway, thank you guys once again, and God bless you. For the day, for the night. For the world revolved around the sun God on high Stepped down in the time And wrote the story of His love for everyone He has filled our hearts with wonder So that we always remember and I are made to worship You and I are called to love You and I are forgiven and free You and I embrace surrender You and I choose to believe That you and I will see We were meant to be gift from God that we receive brought to life we open up our eyes see the majesty and glory of the King He has filled our hearts with wonder so that we always remember and I are made to worship You and I are called to love You and I are forgiven and free 
and I embrace surrender You and I choose to believe That you and I will see We were meant to be Even the rocks cry out Even the heavens shout At the sound of His holy name Let every voice sing out let every knee bow down He is worthy of all our praise You and I are made to worship You and I are called to love You and I are forgiven and free You and I embrace surrender You and I choose to believe That you and I will see we were meant to be, you and I are made to worship, you and I are called to love, you and I are forgiven and free, you and I embrace surrender, you and I choose to believe that you and I will see, we were meant to be. hear me oh now okay good well we have finished up all the christmas celebrating and i guess everybody had a good one right yes. <laughs> santa claus came to see you so that must mean you must have been good right okay now this week we have another big holiday coming who knows what it is what is it what the new year and what is something, now we don't get gifts for New Year's, but there is something that some people do for New Year's. Uh, it, it requires writing something down. You know, like before Christmas, we made a Christmas list. But for New Year's, what kind of list do we sometimes make? Anybody know? Right, resolution list. Oh dear, that's a big word, resolution. Does anybody have a clue as to what it means if you make a resolution? Anybody? Okay, if we make a resolution, it's like we put down something that we promise we're going to do for that year. It's kind of like a self-improvement plan. Now, I'm a lot older than you guys are, so I have seen a lot of New Year's come and go. And if I were to put my New Year's resolutions on a list end to end, you would see that through the years, I have made a lot of resolutions. But you know, the bad thing about making all these resolutions is that they're hard to keep. 
So what do you think happens to most people's resolutions? What do you think happens? Do you think they really keep them? Well, some, some dedicated souls do keep them. I'm not that dedicated. Here's one that's on my list every year. Exercise more. Do I get off the couch and do it? No. Lose weight. If I had actually lost weight, as I said I would for all these years, you wouldn't even see me now. I would have disappeared. Watch less TV. I am a TV fanatic. I love to watch TV. If I weren't watching so much TV, I could probably be exercising. Right. I would not. Oh, I know. Uh, I have one here, not be impatient. My husband says this is one of my big faults. It's that, you know, I want to do something. I want it done now. Uh, you know, if I have to wait for anything, it just gets to me. Not get angry. Does this sound something like you might could put on your list? To try to always be nice. Not eat chocolate. Oh, oh I bet there's a bunch of adults in here that have broken that one. Be a patient driver. Oh, don't, you know, think about riding with your parents. Sometimes they aren't too patient, are they? Smile more, count my blessings, even in bad times. Just goes on and on and on. Well, when I was trying to think of what list I could make this year that I would be a better person for keeping, and I could keep it a lot shorter than that, I was sitting at my computer thinking, and last week's church bulletin was laying there. And I looked at it, and lo and behold, the only thing I need to put on my resolution list is right here in our church mission statement. And look what it says. And everybody already has this, so you don't have to make a list. It says, be the presence, being the presence of Christ, serving a world in need. Just think if we all took this home and posted that and made it our resolution for the new year. Now let's look at what that means, because that, you know, that could maybe not be real clear. Being the presence of Christ means always act as Christ would act. Do you see how many things on that list would have just been taken care of with that? Always act as Christ would act. He'd never be mean to people. He'd always be kind. He'd never be impatient. Just think of that. And then the second part of that statement about serving a world in need. Share Christ's love with others. Tell everybody about what we know about how wonderful Christ is. Share that love and not only share, help in a Christ-like manner to those who need help. Our Sunday school lesson today was about being particular. And that's what that means. Sometimes we love people sort of in general. And even when we help people, we, we bring in things for Christian outreach that's kind of in general. Being particular means being Christ-like 
every time we see somebody that needs something. It means really getting that Christ-like feeling right to the people and helping the people in need. So, I can throw this list away. I don't need it. I can just cut the top of my bulletin off and stick it on my refrigerator. And if I strive to be the presence of Christ, and I challenge everybody here, you already have this, you don't have to make a list, I challenge you to put this on your wall in your room or on your refrigerator in the kitchen and try to be the presence of Christ serving a world in need. That means at school, that means out wherever you are. Okay? Thanks a lot. This will ease up your burden on making New Year's resolutions. stand as we sing hymn number 87. be seated. Our scripture reading for today, uh, last week if you'll remember our scripture reading was from Luke 2 which of course was the uh, 
the Christmas story about the birth of Jesus. And this is the next passage in the same chapter, Luke 2, verses 41 through 52. Now every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up, as usual, for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. As in the days of our youth, O Lord, we come expectantly, anticipating what you have in store for us today. We are eager to hear your voice and we are ready to hear your call. As the excitement of this Christmas season lingers on, yet giving way to the anticipation of a new year, we come to worship you and to adore you still. And so we pray, this, we pray that you will clothe us with righteousness and compassion this day. May the unity of the Spirit pervade our worship service. Lift our hearts, renew our spirits, and let us dwell upon your, upon your word. We ask your blessings upon us as we serve you and as we worship you today. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Stand as we sing hymn number 89.
Our God, we are thankful for this opportunity to worship together on this last Sunday in the year. And we acknowledge that we have been a very blessed people. And we just praise you. But God, we are painfully aware that the past year has not been good for everyone and has been one of difficulties for so many. For those who have experienced failing health, for those who are living through the disappointment of family problems, for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, for those who are coping with the loss of a job, and for those who are just wondering how they will make it through another day. We ask that there will be a sense of your presence and your love to comfort those for whom life is so difficult. And God, we know that you continue to provide many opportunities for us to be used in your service. And we often confess that we feel that we're not talented enough, that we're not worthy enough, or that the time is not right to really be your servant. Christmas reminds us that you often chose very common and ordinary people to share the love of Christ with others. God, grant us the courage and the willingness to serve in whatever way you can use us. And may we continue to seek your guidance in the coming year. Amen. Well, actually, I was going to talk some more because I like to talk, but uh, I guess it's necessary with the offertory prayer and uh, Miss McElwain. I think they covered it all, really. So, uh, but uh, I can relate to the children's message, of course. Uh, I make commitments a lot, and uh, as most of us, we unfortunately can't stick to those commitments sometimes. And uh, one of those, uh, I guess, the biggest commitment we could ever make, uh, once again, is committing ourselves to Christ, and uh, that's something I definitely have failed in, and. Um, I know that most of us, like I said, have failed in that area at some point in their life, but uh, 
the cool thing about that is that uh, God is so great and uh, so amazing that he forgives us for that if you ask for forgiveness. And uh, that's this next song, like I said, I know all of you know it, so you need to be singing along. This is, uh, this is something we can all sing together, and I'm glad that I picked this because I guess everybody in the world knows it now. <laughs> it's kind of, it's almost a traditional type uh, hymn because it's so popular, but uh, it's one of my favorite songs, uh, contemporary Christian worship, and uh, it's How Great Is Our God. So if you'd like to stand with me, if you feel like standing and you can stand, then stand on up and let's sing together. Come on now. Don't make me stand here and just keep talking to you. That would be really sad. <laughs> The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty All the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. One more time, sing it with me, how great is our God. How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see how great How great is our God Age to age He stands Great is our God. 
sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. One more time, this sings my soul. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how How great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Thank you, David, and it is, isn't it wonderful to serve a great God, and how great is our God. And we're privileged to be a part of that family of greatness. The um, pastor of a local Baptist church had been trying for months to get little Johnny to come to church with him and be a part of his third grade Sunday school class. And finally, after talking to Johnny and his mother for what seemed to be the hundredth time, Johnny finally agreed to go to church with the pastor. And so the pastor came by and picked him up and Johnny seemed to enjoy everything that took place in the Sunday school and the worship. However, as the baptismal service began, Johnny ran out the back door of the church and all the way home. And so his mother asked him why he ran home instead of riding with the pastor. And little Johnny said, it's all a racket. They get you in there and they let you make all these nice things, and they tell you all these great stories just to get you relaxed so that they can drown you at the end of the service. <laughs> well, needless to say, Johnny's experience of going to church was not as positive as Jesus' experience when he went to the temple when he was 12 years old. As a matter of fact, these two stories bear no resemblance whatsoever. 
Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, were devout Jews. And since they were devout Jews, they went to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Passover festival. But this year was a little bit different. Because you see, on the way home from Jerusalem, going back to Nazareth, Jesus' parents suddenly realized that Jesus was not with them. And this was not like their son to run off and not tell them where he was going, so they worried about him. And they went back, headed back to Jerusalem to look for him. Well, they had already gone a day's journey, which meant it took another day to get back and then a, a day of looking for him. And so it was a total of three frantic days before they could find their 12-year-old son. But when they found him, he was in the temple, sitting among the scholars and the teachers, listening and asking questions. And the Bible tells us that all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. However, when Mary and Joseph found Jesus, their reaction was not so much that of amazement as it was a combination of relief and wait till I get you home. <laughs> Mary asked Jesus, son, why have you treated us like this? We've been worried sick. You've been there before, haven't you? You know, my dad used to tell me that when he was growing up, his father had two names for him, trouble and young man. And he said that as long as his daddy was calling him trouble, he knew as he, he was okay. But when his daddy called him young man, he knew he was in trouble. And so here Mary says to Jesus, young man... Why have you treated us like this? We've been worried sick about you. Jesus said, Mom, why were you worried? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? This is one of the best known stories in all of the New Testament. I remember learning this story when I was a small child in Sunday school. And I think it's a story that reveals many truths to us that I, can, I believe can help any family today. And the first truth is this. No family is free from conflict. Not even Jesus's. My friends, whenever, wherever there are people, there's bound to be conflict. Many of you can remember the inspiring words of Winston Churchill during World War II. He said, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, and we shall fight on the hills. Robert Orban says that that sounds a lot like his family on vacation. <laughs> a lot of fighting going on. Danny Cox tells a story about his grandson Rex. Seems that Rex was in kindergarten at the time when he caught a terrible case of spring fever, and he didn't want to go to school. And after all, it hadn't been all that long since uh, he, had, he had the freedom to come and to go with his mother as they wanted. And so he probably thought that he had a decent chance of talking his mother into playing hooky for, with him for one day. And living in Southern California, Rex was well aware of the many diversions that could make an excellent alternative to going to school. And so he sidled up next to his mother and he says, Mom, 
It's such a beautiful day outside. It's too pretty to go to school. Can we go to the beach? Mom said, no, honey. You have to go to school today. So Rex figured that the destination that he had suggested just wasn't enticing enough to gain his mother's compliance. And so, so she, he said, then how about Disneyland? Think of all the fun things that we can do at Disneyland. And his mother said, no, Rex, you have to go to school today. Well, why, Rex asked. And so his mother decided to appeal to her son's sympathies, and she said, because if you don't go to school today, they could put me in jail. And so he looked at her for about two seconds, put his hands on his hips, and cocked his head to one side and said, for how long? <laughs> See, he was trying to figure out if it was worth it or not. And you know, it's not that unusual for children and parents to see things a little bit differently, is it? That's not that unusual. It's not even unusual for husbands and wives to see things differently and vice versa. The fact is that conflict is a part of living together. And a family that agrees with each other 100% of the time is not a healthy family. Larry Burkett used to say that if a husband and wife are just alike, then one of them's unnecessary. Now, I'm sure that some of you may have lived in a family that, uh, in which everyone had to agree because maybe they lived in fear of dad or maybe mom and nobody dared to disagree with them because of the harsh discipline in the family. And discipline is important in a home. However, if discipline in a home is so severe that children can never develop their individuality, then the home is abusive. But I don't get that picture from this story of Jesus' family, do you? I'm sure that Mary and Joseph had their rules for Jesus to follow, just like every other parent has rules for their children. But this story reflects that that Jesus had learned a healthy sense of autonomy, a sense of independence, a sense of, of himself. I mean, take a look at the story. Besides staying behind in the temple without permission, Jesus was apparently very comfortable with stating his view about things. We are told that he's sitting there among the scholars and the teachers. And the Bible tells us that all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So he seemed to be very comfortable listening to what the teachers were saying. But he also seemed to be very comfortable with sharing his own ideas about what they were teaching. And I think that this demonstrates a lot of maturity and self-confidence in this young boy. And that's a sign of a healthy family. Why are you so worried, Mom? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? So the, the first truth is that no family, not even Jesus' family, is without conflict. Here's the second thing. This story reminds us that what holds a family together is mutual respect. Of course, Mary and Joseph were concerned that Jesus was not with them. 
But they didn't seem to panic. I think I would have been panicking. They didn't seem to panic. There was no sign after it was all over that they overreacted with harsh punishment. And, and I think that this shows that there was a great deal of mutual respect in this young family. Remember how J Joseph respected Mary under the suspicious circumstances of her pregnancy? He didn't want to shame her. And look at how they treated Jesus in this moment of, of diso disobedience. Notice how the story ends. It says, Mary and Joseph did not understand what Jesus was saying to them, but he went home with them to Nazareth, and he was obedient to them, and Mary treasured these things in her heart. Folks, this was not only a love-based family. It was also a respect-based family. Now, I know that children can be a challenge sometimes, can't they? Right? Did I hear an oh yeah? Or was that an amen? <laughs> One comedian says that whenever he has a headache, he does exactly what the aspirin bottle tells him to do. Take two tablets and keep away from children. <laughs> Somebody made a list of how her priorities changed since having children. <clears throat> Here's what she says. She says, before children, I was thankful to have been born in the United States of America, the most powerful free democracy in the world. After children, I am thankful for Velcro tennis shoes. Not only do they save valuable time, but I can hear the sound of my son taking his shoes off, which gives me a three-second head start to activate the safety locks on the back windows right before he hurls them out of the car. Before children, I was thankful for fresh organic vegetables. After children, I'm thankful for microwavable macaroni and cheese, without which my children would be surviving on about three bites of cereal a day. Before children, I was thankful for the opportunity to obtain a college education and have a higher quality of life than my ancestors. After children, I'm thankful to finish a complete thought without being interrupted. Before children, I was thankful for holistic medicines and natural herbs. After children, I'm thankful for pediatric cough medicine that's guaranteed to cause drowsiness in children. Before children, I was thankful for the opportunity to vacation in exotic lands so that I could experience a, a different way of life in a new culture. After children, I'm thankful to have time to make it all the way down, to, down the driveway to get my mail. Before children, I was thankful for a warm, cozy house to share with my loved ones. After children, I'm thankful for the lock on the bathroom door. Before children, I was thankful for material objects like custom furniture, a nice car, and trendy clothes. And after, after children, I'm thankful when the baby spits up and misses my shoes. <laughs> and finally, before children, I was thankful for my wonderful family. And after children, <laughs> told you I'd get you back. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
I guess I'm still thankful for my wonderful family. <laughs> Children are a challenge sometimes. But you know something? There's a difference in the way children turn out when they live in a home where they feel loved and respected. There was a research, research study uh, done of students chosen from who's who among American high school students, and it revealed some startling results. Each of the students in this survey had at least a B average and was involved in school and community activities, demonstrated leadership qualities in their lives. More than 3,000 students were interviewed, and the survey asked the students whether they lived in a happy home or an unhappy home. And I also asked them about some of their behaviors as teenagers. And, and among the findings are these. Teenagers were nearly five times more likely to smoke if they came from an unhappy home. Teens from unhappy homes were twice as likely to drink to the point of getting drunk. Two percent of teens, teens from happy homes admitted to attempting suicide while 18% from unhappy homes said that they had tried to take their own lives. 20% of those from happy homes admitted to sexual activity, while 46% from unhappy homes had engaged in premarital sex. Those from unhappy homes said that they were more likely to have sex with a stranger than those from happy homes. The survey did not ask about the students' religious beliefs or affiliations, nor did it ask about the spiritual climate in their families, but it's obvious that teens who live in a happy home are less likely to participate in risky behavior. But that leads us to a very important question. What exactly is the secret to having a happy home? Well, isn't it where mom and dad and children and parents all respect one another? Well, sure, conflict in a home is natural. It happens in every home. But it's mutual love and respect that keeps that home together. And then finally, one more thing, and I think this is the most important thing. No, I know this is the most important thing. Ultimately, ultimately, what makes a family successful and happy is that it has a shared faith in God. You know, we may miss this lesson in this passage of Scripture because we may think of Jesus as uniquely God's Son. But we need to remember that Jesus truly emptied himself when he, became, when he came to this earth. When he became just like we are, fully human. Philippians told us that he, he put all that aside, all that glory in heaven aside and became a human being just like us. He was a boy just like every other boy. And yet he knew that God loved him. And he knew that God was his father. Now, obviously Mary and Joseph had done their part to, to raise Jesus in a synagogue. And, and Jesus had learned his lessons well. As a matter of fact, well enough to amaze the teachers in the temple and, and with his answers and his questions. And I don't think I have to quote to you the statistics concerning children who have been raised in homes where both parents are active in their church. You've probably heard them before. But you need to know that it's all a package. It's all a package. 
loving one another, respecting one another, and worshiping together as a family. Now, these things won't guarantee that a child will turn out okay. But they're the best formula that we know of that, will, uh, that we have for successfully raising a child and having a strong, healthy family. The Human Development and Family Department at the University of Nebraska has developed a profile of what a strong family looks like. And here's what it says. Number one, appreciation. Family members give one another compliments and sincere demonstrations of approval. They try to make each other feel appreciated and good about themselves. Number two, the ability to deal with a crisis in a positive manner. They're willing to take a bad situation and see something positive in it and then focus on that positive. Number three, time together. In all areas of their lives, meals, work, recreation, they structure their schedules to spend time together. Number four, a high degree of commitment. Families promote each person's happiness and welfare, uh, invested time and energy in each other, and made their family their number one priority. Number five, good communication patterns. These families spent time talking with each other and they also listened well, which shows respect for the other person. And then finally, number six, a high degree of religious orientation. Not all belong to an organized church, but they consider themselves to be highly religious. This is what it means to have a successful, strong, happy family. So how does your family stack up? Being a successful family is not really brain surgery, but it does require a lot of hard work. It requires love. It requires commitment and respect. And it requires a family that puts God at its very center. And it's my prayer that your family will take this cue from Mary and Joseph and Jesus today and live in such a way that you all, parents and children alike, will grow, not only in your love for one another, but also, and most especially, in your love for God. May it be so. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 77, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. There may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Jesus Christ this morning. And... Um, to accept the, the lordship of this child who taught us, even when he was 12 years old, a lesson. You know, the prophet says that a little child will lead them, referring to the Christ child. And that is true. Christ came to this earth, and even as a child, leads us. And he led us through his adulthood. And he taught us the way to live our lives. And he taught us that the best way that we could live our lives is in following him. So there may be someone here today who's never made that commitment to follow Jesus. And I hope you'll do it today if you haven't. Putting him at the center of your heart, that's the first step towards fulfillment 
and completeness in your life and in your family. So if you've never made that commitment, please do that today. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with our church or, or maybe, maybe just need to come and have a, a time of prayer. We invite you to come as we sing together. Come thou long expected Jesus. God, there is a void to the stillness at the end of this season of the year. As our fellowship is concluded and as we leave this place, we go from here to the strange dullness of the after-Christmas lull, combined with the hesitant anxiousness of beginning a new year. And yet even in the midst of this sentimental turmoil, the peace of Christ can settle us and calm us and give us life. May our lives be enriched by all that is good. May our fellowship be sweetened by sincerity and kindness. And may the reality of the blessedness of the Christian life bring an ever-present glow to our hearts. Through our Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.